0: This is Hannah, this is Rachel, and this is What i Like to Tell People. Hi Rachel.
1: Hi Hannah.
0: How was your week?
1: I'm going to be honest, it was really, really stressful for a few days, and then it got to Saturday, and I felt like the sun came out, and a whole big relief for me. I
0: mean, honestly, the weather's beautiful. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not.
1: I I know. I, I think not either, especially on Sunday. Sunday, the sun was just so freaking bright. I was like, I think it's saying something.
0: Yeah. No, I, and I've talked to my mom about this and my aunt, it's like four years of weight was just lifted off our shoulders. And I, you know, I think everyone like cried with happiness, especially, you know, like protesting these past four years and, and like volunteering to do things. And it's like all the hard work, like, and all the frustration and all that, you know, just like, it was just a relief.
1: That's how I felt. And I still tear up every time I hear Kamala Harris as vice president first person woman of color and woman to be in the White House like like could you even believe this day that's the thing like I, I couldn't
0: no no it, it's yeah it's not and I mean as they say ladies make sure you're wearing your shoes because there's a lot of broken glass out there
1: oh yeah and we're gonna continue breaking that ceiling
0: yeah and I you know I love how she always says I may be the first but I'm not gonna be the last and I you know I really think that is a really you know thing that we need to know like she's just paving the way for other little girls that are watching to step in her footsteps which is really amazing
1: exactly she's paving the way to get all those little girls out there to go and, and do. And great as we things.
0: know men have not been the greatest in that position lately so I do think it's time for a non-emotional person to get in
1: a woman needs to take the reins is what I say
0: <laughs> right so did you do anything else besides celebrate this week
1: um, not really. Uh, my meds have been off, so I, with my two autoimmune stuff, as you know, um, I've been mostly sleeping, but I have been walking a lot, so that's good too. So, got my steps in there, and I guess right now I'm just basking and feeling the sense of relief. What about you? Yeah,
0: I mean, I baked and I did my normal thing. I baked. Uh, bagels sesame seed bagels this weekend this is why they were were my like Biden bagels
1: oh my gosh and then it's like by dawn bagels
0: Mm
1: -hmm. oh I miss your cook your baking
0: so this episode was one of your art professors is that correct and do you want to tell everybody about it
1: yes uh Christina Hess is a illustrator and designer and uh, she was my professor specializing in oil paints and this episode is actually about her designing for the mint the u.s mint coin collection of the woman suffragette of uh for the 100 year anniversary of us. And perfect timing.
0: Her. I mean, it's amazing A 100 years ago, well, it's sad we got the vote 100 years and took 100 years to get a woman in the White
1: House. And reforming, so it. <laughs> and reforming it and then going back. But the fact is we got it. And yeah. it's a really cool episode and it's really cool um, to learn about the process too and how she came to be. Doing this amazing project. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. We are here with my former professor, Christina Hess. Hi, Christina.
2: Hi, how are you? I'm good And yourself. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me to be on your show. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I'm very excited
1: too. Like I uh, was talking to you about earlier, you were one of my favorite professors. And the fact that you had a coin just come out with the mint is just amazing. Like, so cool and it's a woman suffragette uh one dollar coin everybody to commemorate the hundred years so well
2: thank you and thank you for the kind words Rachel and yeah. and you were one of my favorite students no doubt so Hannah I didn't have you as a student but I'm sure you would have been favorite as well yeah I would have been your favorite for sure no. <laughs> it,
1: it, it's true Hannah is the favorite of everyone once she comes into her life you're like okay you're gonna stick here <laughs> yeah so uh, so we will start with awesome questions about the podcast I guess about the coin right Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So just first off, do you want to tell us about the design of the suffrage the women's suffrage dollar coin?
2: Sure so um, uh, so the design is a both front and back which is obverse and reverse. Uh, the front shows three women in profile. And the back shows a ballot box with 2020 going into the ballot box. And of course, there are inscriptions that are on the coin on both sides, United States of America, unum, things of that sort. Um, and basically, uh, as Rachel said, it's a silver dollar coin. It is legal tender, although it costs more than a dollar to get. So I wouldn't recommend spending it <laughs> with anything. Oh, excellent. You got it. <laughs> and... Um, and uh, I actually was uh, one of uh, several artists that created potential designs for this particular program. So when the Mint puts together um, programs, they uh, they they have subject matters and they give their artists uh, a lot of resources to work from. Um, so I'm in the Artistic Infusion program, which is uh, basically a program that I'll explain in a little bit how I got into that Um but a lot of artists are assigned to one program. So that way the committee and the treasurer have uh, a lot of different options to choose from when they look at design. So they're not just looking at one option. So I uh, did numerous of these. I did, uh, I think two, I submitted two designs for each side uh, in addition to many other artists' designs. There are probably, I would wanna say maybe about 20 designs for each side. Um, So I was very fortunate obviously very fortunate and I'm humbled that I had my uh, designs picked for both the obverse and the reverse, uh, which is um, something special. I think I, I, I don't know if that happens very often. I think uh, usually um, the artwork can get split up. So, you know, so if a, uh, if an artist gets chosen for one side, it's very possible that another artist could get chosen for the other side.
1: Oh, I never knew that. That's really, I. wow, I never knew that because um, you just wouldn't be able to tell with some of the coins I collect. You, they just look so seamless, so wow. Ah. Yeah, yeah,
2: but... <laughs> That's cool, though. <laughs> interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting type of thing. Um, so uh, to prepare for the job, I did a lot of research uh, on the history of women's suffrage, of course, yeah. and I really wanted to capture the amount of time that the movement took place uh, it spanned over decades, you know, like, and, and probably even farther back than than what was really on record. Um, so the immensity of that is something that I really, I really wanted to capture. Um, so I really wanted to focus uh, on not only the time span, but the diversity of all the women involved, because there were, you know, different uh, ethnicities involved, different uh, people from different countries that came to America that were involved, um, obviously the um, the ages and age groups, so they were young and, and older women as well. So I really wanted to try to include that. So in the obverse, the three profiles I chose were, were all different, and they tried to show that uniqueness. And also um, the time period, so trying to find out how to represent um, decades of time periods was a little tricky. Uh, so I went in and I um, did a lot of research on fashion. And because the the fashion is so different from, you know, the 1700s to the 1800s to the 1900s, I thought a great way to do that would be to give each woman a hat. And that hat could represent each decade so the top woman is an older lady and she's got a really big hat on with a lot of flowers and like bows uh so she's more of a representation of the earlier time periods yeah and then you had the middle figure who has like one of the straw boater hats on with the, with the votes for women band around yeah
1: it. it looks just like the one from mary poppins when she would go out for the votes for a woman too so i was like oh my god it's mary poppins <laughs>
2: Right, right. So I wanted to try to include that. Uh, There are a lot of, when I did research, there were a lot of women who wore those types of hats with the banners on it uh, during parades. And there were tons of parades with a lot of uh, collateral and banners and pins and things of that sort. So I really wanted to get that in there. And of course, the front woman uh, has a, um, a, uh, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong, I always get around, a cloche hat or a clutch hat.
1: Oh, it's right. called that. Why
2: did I think it was a bowler hat for
1: some reason? But it's
2: very similar to a bowler hat. But it's in the 1920s, like the Roaring 20s, where the flappers would fit their their hats on. You know, uh-huh. it fits over the like skull caps.
1: <laughs> You're <laughs> like, how did you wear that all day? But okay,
2: you do. It was so hot in the summertime, and they wore hats all the time. Uh,
0: and silk. But they didn't wash too. their hair, right? It was probably to because their hair was gross.
2: Oh, <laughs> they
0: did, I like You could cover about. it up. They probably like, were like, don't look at me. I don't want to do my hair today. I'm going to put a hat on and no one's going to know. <laughs> and and when did hair dye come out? Because maybe they were dyeing their hair, but that was like, they probably like don't want to show their greys either. Oh, I didn't
2: even think about it. Oh, that's that would be perfect. I wish
1: hats were back in style. It'd be worth <laughs> Uh, well, you can make it back in style. You design the coin. You can be like, look, I'm we're, representing the coin. you are "I'm in the 20s. You're
0: like, we're, I'm in the roaring
1: 20s. And there, no big deal. Look at my coin, guys. I'm in the roaring I'm bringing it
2: back. I'm bringing 20s back, baby.
1: Right? Yeah, it should be brought back. You know, that style was awesome, I have to say. And minus, like, having to do the hair all the
0: time. But... Well, there's some other things we don't want to bring back from the well, 20s. Well, God, no, God, we no. We
1: have made... Enough
0: strife these past four years.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say fashion, at least. Fashion was pretty awesome back then. Let's just say yeah. like bring back the fashion. <laughs> yeah, great gas to be. That's right. That's right. Uh, minus the book ended sad. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah. fashion. We were talking about fashion. Um, so I I guess you already answered where you got your ideas and inspiration from. Or would you want to expand
2: on that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I did a lot of research, of course. And, 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 you know, Rachel, as an illustration student, I'm sure you remember the countless years of research and reference that you used to do.
1: Oh, and we always would get plenty of photos and uh, still lifes. So we would take pictures of those and then do how many thumbnails usually? Like over 20 or so, sometimes over 20. Sometimes we stick to like five, but... <laughs> It's better to do that, though, because then you could pick apart it, too. And... That's exactly
2: it, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I was doing a lot of research. I was, uh, like I mentioned before, I was researching um, just the movements in general, movement in general, and then the women, of course, the individual women. Y- you go down a rabbit hole every time you do reference and research. So, you know, I was reading about Ida D. Wells, and I, I mean, I knew the name. I knew, you know, what she did, and then I read more about her, and I'm like, this woman is amazing, like, oh, my gosh, you know? So you learn so much. Uh, I actually also watched uh, two movies as well on women's suffrage. Um, So uh, they really helped kind of give a mood to the characters, which, you know, it's funny because like you're reading research and everything is fact when you're reading historical research, but when you're, actually looking at a reenactment of course there's directors and producers and actors and costume designers and set designers and they bring lighting designers they bring everything together and they give a mood to these characters so that really helped me kind of get into the spirit of it a lot uh so that was that was also something else I did
1: almost Um, like getting into the character itself and then seeing it almost because it's great to read but when you actually get to visually see it, I feel like it's it's awesome then you could actually be within that story itself
2: absolutely and and the one movie i watched was based on the actual people in the uh, you know, in the women's suffrage movement, Alice Paul being one of them. And again, reading and seeing these older pictures, but then seeing Hilary Swank's, you know, representation of her, uh, just puts a completely different twist on it. And it does, it gives you a little bit extra um, spice, so to speak, to work with. So uh, that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. I uh, get a little little additional drama into it. And then, of course, I always go back to, you know, my tried and true um, illustrators and artists that that I always look at so I always go back to historical pieces and you know look at some of the things that I really felt were uh, inspired inspiring to me um, so for example the red rose girls um, you know who were uh, at the turn of the century in the golden age of illustration uh, just m- more so not not even the images they did but more so the life they led I mean they were you Know three women actually, there were more than that, but the three uh, well known women who went through the Howard Pyle and, and NCY School of Learning uh, and came out these professional illustrators at the time in the early 1900s. So, so crazy, you know, it didn't happen very often. And they were doing well, murals and stuff, beautiful things.
1: Yeah, there's not that many women, they're not that many women artists that were very known, right? Like, right. I mean, yeah, because we would never go over. It was mainly male artists that we would actually be known. So that's re- that's really
2: impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, honestly, the history of women in, in art uh, could be it, it, its own separate episode because, I mean, there's... And I and I and I and I don't want to I don't want to say the artist's name because I'm afraid that uh, you know I might have read it wrong. But I know that there was a very popular woman artist back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and was doing a lot of illustration. She she was a children's book illustrator, but actually started out as a um, scientific illustrator. And she would illustrate and uh, like microbes and things on slides uh, for scientific for the the English you know scientific community, but. Uh, it was under her her uncle's name so her uncle would take it and it because it was it was not you know uh-huh. women, women women didn't do that thing you know so it was it was an interesting uh interesting thing so yeah just going kind of diving deep into all of that and then of course Norman Rockwell I mean Norman Rockwell and C and uh and JC Liondecker. I mean, you're talking about Americana, and you're talking about, I mean, J.C. Linedecker was the 20s, you know, Saturday Evening Post, you know, going from Linedecker to Rockwell, and there's, you know, sculpted faces and just beautiful stuff.
1: That's where I go with uh, Alberto Vargas, too, with a lot of his work from earlier, too, because before he went to the pinups, he did that beautiful 1900, early 1900s voices, and it was just yeah <laughs> like you go then you're like it's so magical and beautiful <laughs> I don't know how you guys did it
2: uh. it's so funny too, when you when you start researching artists and you see you know the work like for example Alfonso Muca. like we know Muca's work so well for his uh, you know uh, screen prints uh, and and linear work but he did all these gigantic beautiful uh, murals and oils that were just so like heavy and just gorgeous and you know just luscious looking uh, and his work is just beautiful to begin with but then you see a different version of it and you're like mind blown you <laughs> know Blow. hey,
1: honestly yeah that's how I was when I saw Picasso um in uh, Spain and, and I was just like oh, mind blown <laughs> like
2: what like this is <laughs> and when you- when you see it in person, it's a completely different experience. So I remember I went, I was in Europe when I was 16. And I remember going to a museum and it was with the school group. And I, I was separated a little bit from the group and I was walking by myself and I started walking up the staircase and I looked up and this immense, it was almost like a story tall. At least it seemed that to me you know uh and it was a uh, Gustav stuff clint and it was just hanging there in all of its gold glory and i'm like what is this and it was my first introduction to clint's work and i was just in love with it
1: so. i would be the same way i'd be like hello beautiful what is this gorgeous
2: piece of you been all my life right
1: exactly that's how i felt when i saw picasso because he's one of my favorite artists and i got to um go see a secret not a secret exhibit that sounds weird but a uh, private exhibit Exhibitive. and no, yeah, it was right. exclusive. I feel like we're back in the 20s. That's probably it. Like I'm doing a speakeasy with Picasso. Um, but I got to see him in um, the Virginia Museum. In Virginia. Oh, you got to see his work or him? You just said you got if to see he, him. Like, if he came sure. back to life and I got to see him, that would be pretty freaking sweet, I would have to say. I would say. Yeah, But you got to see his work where it started out realistic. That's what was cool. It was um actually from uh, the gallery in France, and they didn't show anything at all. Like, it was private. And so it was just amazing to see his progress of his work. To, yeah, it, it's amazing to see the artist's moods, basically, and their
2: times to change. So it, yeah, it really is.
1: It really it's is. so inspiring
2: you know it's just it's just so inspiring so anyway I, I'd always dive into into some of those um some of those artists
1: that's fine by me I mean just uh Dr. Sponsler is gonna actually be on in um a few weeks too so she's gonna oh. talk about that too <laughs>
2: perfect oh yeah awesome awesome so you could always give her pointers <laughs> she can give me many more pointers than I could give her she is she's yeah. <laughs>
0: So what, like, um, how did you create it? Did you draw? Did you paint? Did you, how, what was the whole process after the research?
2: Yeah. So the research, you know, each, each piece I do depending on the client, cause I work with other clients other than the United States men, but, um, each one has a different process. So this particular process, I really wanted to make sure, you know, that I got the, the feeling of the figures, right. So, um, you know, I always start with, um, with thumbnail sketches so Rachel even referenced that earlier so she knows exactly where I'm going with it um I have these uh I have a a template it's a circle template so I draw little circles in a in a book and um which I don't have on me it's somewhere it's around here
0: so did you make it bigger did you do it on a larger scale or did you actually you didn't draw all this Oh no, That's I small. I drew
2: this small. So I, you really I, yeah. did. You didn't Christina. do it like a larger
0: and then make it tiny to fit.
2: Yeah. So here are my. If you see here my my yeah. So I pretty much chose. Let's see here. Uh, an inch and a half. Yeah, this one right here.
1: Christina could uh, just I I swear with her like pencil or, or paint like paint anything she could get captured the detail that tiny it's crazy with Christine. did you have to have like
0: magnifying glasses on i feel like my vision's not that good i'd have <laughs> like like pot bottle <laughs> just picture you like those old ladies with the... yeah that's your eyes are like this big and you're looking in <laughs> oh my goodness! I could just or like think. the magnifying glass as you draw. Yeah.
1: Maybe
0: I'll just draw Christina like that. What was it like? The Incredibles, the the fashion designer. I think she had those big glasses.
2: That's yeah. Right. Yes. Yes, she did. I'm almost at that point because I can't see as well as I used to. So <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs>
1: i think you're doing a great job with your eyes going
2: sort of (laughs) yeah so yeah so anyway i did i did about 25 of those like and basically sometimes i just work with abstract shapes just to see how it fills the space and then i kind of go from there so um then i uh compile the images together and then i redraw them uh sometimes i do it traditionally and then and then um Scan everything and work digitally. This one I did strictly digitally. So after I got the uh, the thumbnails, you know, figured out, I did that in pen, pencil, and paper. Uh, then I took it into Photoshop and I started, you know, redrawing um, the figures and, and reconfiguring where things were going to go. I, I needed to do this digitally, especially the front, because there was so much overlap with the figures that I was going to have to be continuously moving things around. Uh, and doing that tradition because you're a traditional per
1: usually aren't you with your artwork you're usually more traditional with your painting yeah
2: so I, I'm tra- well, I was trained in oils so yep. that's how I went uh, and i uh, I kind of went to into Corel painter actually and uh, photoshop yeah. In order to, uh, mimic the oil brush paint strokes, but paint faster because I'm an extremely slow painter and that doesn't suit deadlines very well. So, you know, I <laughs> to, to speed things up. Um, so, and I still do that type of work, but, uh, but only when time allows and, and time is always tight. I mean, you guys know, you know, there's always, there's never enough time to do anything. So you have to be very wise about how you choose to use your time. So, um, so yeah, for the, for this particular project, I did use uh, Photoshop and Curl Painter uh, for compiling for painting. Uh, but yeah, and then it was just a lot of back and forth and back and forth and fix this and you know, move things around and you spelled something wrong. Oh, which I do all the time. <laughs> Edit it before you it in. <laughs> it's better though, that you are
1: able to though in Photoshop be able to, you know, move it around easier because like you said, that would just be, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah you would have to have tracing paper on top of
2: everything and that's that my brain wouldn't
1: work work. my brain (laughs) and
2: and and the thing I keep in mind too is this it's going to be printed in metal (laughs) and it's going to be tiny you know so everything has to be just perfect and and I've really only been working um working with the, uh, the US Mint for, uh, for about a little over well, almost two years now. So I'm pretty new to this stuff. I still feel a little new. So for me to be able to move things around and reconfigure when they get back to me and say, Hey, listen, you know, you have a negative space here and it's going to be a problem when we pour the metal type of thing. It's like, Oh, never even thought of that, you know? So yeah. Learned- yeah so it was very, very helpful for me to do that. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, what happens after you then complete the image?
2: Yeah, so then I send it in. Um, so uh, I have a liaison uh, at the at the Mint who who provides the information for me up front, uh, and then that's the person that I send the uh, final image to. And there's a deadline, of course, so you send it by that deadline. And then they the Mint goes through it. So the designers go through it. The sculptors go through all the work and, and they go through and they fine tune things. So then they send back edits and that edits can be anything from, can you just move it over just a little bit to, you know, Hey, can you replace this whole thing with something that might be, uh, you know, leaning more towards this type of uh, direction. So, so it is a collaborative effort. So it's not just me, you know, like, woohoo, this is what I'm going to do. But <laughs> at the same time, it, it, they give you such freedom to work. So, that's yeah.
1: great but it's also kind of bad at the same time because then we're like we're gonna just continue changing it even more so then with the um uh the uh the metal artist I guess too gives the input too then right uh, right right
2: yeah. so that's yeah. good too
1: because they know the material
2: exactly right. yeah. yeah so sculptors there and they they're amazing I mean I walked in there um, uh, to do just to meet everybody and I did a little tour of this facility in in the springtime um, pre-pandemic and uh, it was um, you know I, I met with um, with Phoebe who did the sculpt, sculpting for both sides of the of the women's women's uh, suffrage reverse and reverse. and I mean, she had a plasticine you know, sculpt her up and, and then she showed me what she was doing digitally and it was just beautiful. Like, and it wasn't just one thing. So even though, you know, they get the image, they're doing studies and they're doing, you know, preliminaries and they're figuring things out as they go too. And they do such an amazing job. I mean, they're, they're just, they do wonderful work. So I was very blessed to, uh, to be able to see that process. Um, I feel very lucky about that. Yeah. So um, once it goes through, um the initial edits, then it usually goes through a second round of edits. And then it goes through a third round of edits. And after that, it goes to committees. So there are a couple committees involved. So they all uh, have a say in it. So the Commission of Fine Arts is one committee and the Citizens Coinage Advisory Committee is another committee. And Then there are stakeholders for the programs. So, for example, if there are, um, you know, the Smithsonian was involved with this. So there are people from the Smithsonian and the American Women's History Initiative were there, and uh, and the Portrait Gallery chimed in, and so it it ended up being a lot of a lot of different um, a lot of different uh, you know input on on what might work, and everybody gives their opinion, and they compile it all, and then the Secretary of Treasury make the final or the gets to make the final, uh, the final call. So it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting process.
1: It's cool. They have a lot of the cooks, like a lot of cooks in the kitchen too, though. And they're actually talking to all like the Smithsonian's at the same time. That's, that's amazing.
2: I didn't even think they would do that. (laughs) Oh my. I know. Well, it's funny because there are certain programs that are very historically accurate that you need those stakeholders on, you know, the people who know exactly, you know, what what that one thing is, so, you know, anybody, like, for example, if you, you know, look at anything with, uh, like, the, the quarters, the quarters that are there now, uh, they have a America the Beautiful uh, campaign out, and the quarters are all, you know, on the back of beautiful little illustrations of, of places and states uh, that represent states and the nation, and all of those, the people from the states would represent and say, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that is indigenous to our area and that's important to us or it needs to be switched a little bit and look a little different in order for us to believe that it's, there. I don't know if that actually happened in any conversations, but I'm just, you know, that's the type. It of,
1: you know, would be cool if that is actually what they said. My dad though would, be, is going to love this episode of, because of that. And now he actually knows how his coins are like processed. Right. So that's kind yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's involved, it's collaborative, but you still have a lot of independence and it goes through a lot of, a lot of people's eyes. It's a very humbling experience. Um, and you know, at the, at the end, I, I, you know, just so I'm so thankful for part of the program, but, um, at the same time, you know, you know, it was, when you get, when you get minted I'm like, Oh my gosh, it feels so good.
0: How did you get uh, involved? Like, how did you even know or find out to get involved with the United States Mint?
2: I actually LinkedIn, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a former colleague from, um, from academia, so I'm a teacher as well at PCAT. Uh, and somebody who used to work in admissions there that I'm connected with through LinkedIn um, posted a call for artists. She's like, Oh, hey, everybody, there's a call for artists at the United States Mint. And I'm like, Cool. <laughs> so I went on and checked it out. I'm like, Oh, they're looking for what they call demonstration designs. And basically, they're looking for artists to um, do designs for a specific coin that they have coming up. Okay, sure, so I submitted my work, filled out the forms and, um, and waited and I made it through the first cut. And then the second cut was actually working on the design. So you had a choice between two, two um, coins to choose from. And then you were given a brief on that particular coin that you got. I did the design and afterwards they said, okay, we liked what you did, you're in the program now. And I'm like, whoa, I was like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> what does that mean what does that mean you know and it was one of those situations that you know I read through everything I read it I absorbed it I thought I understood it but then they said you're part of the artistic infusion program it was almost like I didn't really know what that was I was like what what is it yeah you are an artist working for us and like it's not just a one-time deal like I'm so used to freelance being here's a job. Hey, thanks so much. If we need you, we'll call you again. But this was a, no, this is an, an evolving situation. So, yeah. So from that, I've worked on numerous, um, numerous programs over the last couple of years. Um, you know, and, and of course not, not all of my designs have been picked or even gone through, you know, to final committee, but it's, uh, it's been, it's been definitely a, a, a journey, I guess you could say, an adventure.
0: How long will you be on it, the program? Um, yeah. Well, if they don't kick me off. Um,
2: <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> I don't know if they're like, you're on it for life or five years or until we don't like you.
2: Well, there's no real timeline to it. So they don't really have an end. But basically, uh, whenever they do call for art, um, they said at the, the, you know, the symposium I was at, they said that um, when they do a call for art, Everybody, even people who have been working with them in the in the AIP for 20 years, have to go through that process. So, if I didn't go through that process when the next call for art, then I would not be asked to rejoin. Um, but if I did go through the process, of course, there would be another jury, you know, um, and, and another process. So, uh, depending who I would be up against, I might get.
1: Could other artists so, yeah. then try? <laughs> Can other can other artists then try to get in with them too? Like say if I wanted to be like, hey, what's uh she doesn't one me? want the competition. <laughs> okay, one hers and my styles are totally different, but we then again we both draw really cute animals.
2: So. Listen anybody 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 can fly. And that's that's what's really cool, is then after um I went to the symposium and I met the other artists, and they give you know, they give everybody's website so you can check out everybody's work. The the the, of the caliber of work is awesome, what everybody has done, but they are so different. I mean, so different. And that was so refreshing to see that they're not just looking for one key component, like not everybody draw, everybody do the same thing. They were all so different. Uh, So yeah, I was different
1: styles. And so, yeah, so it's not just one egg in one basket. It's like every different type.
2: Oh, that's really wonderful because I
1: wasn't sure if they only had the one style, but that's
2: no, no. And, uh, and I will say that they are, um, they're definitely branching out and doing new, new, more innovative and exciting, um, programs and designs that are uh, a little bit more, uh, dare I say, modern. <laughs> so they still have your key uh, classical, you know, designs that are coming out and coins that are coming out, but they're also doing um, some new things that are that are, are pulling on the modern uh, art strings, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's really neat. And that's makes sense that they got all, a whole bunch of different artists to do different things and then they can kind of, you know, choose what works best for their vision for that particular program. I think it's
1: amazing you're part of history with this coin. I'm going to be honest, you're in history now. You're going to be in the history book. Yeah, it's going to be a coin forever.
0: Like people are going to,
1: you know, my dad has all kinds
0: of coins and we look at the year and there's like super really old ones. And one day they'll be like, oh, look, this is from 2020.
1: (laughs) It's just amazing. It's like a cool yeah. adventure, you know, honestly. You get to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm part of the mint. I got my coin printed." And and it so happens to be the women's suffrage movement, which is even more amazing because you're a woman artist. Yeah. So yeah. it it honors that too and how far we've come as artists. Right, because it.
0: in 1920, I'm sure they wouldn't have had a woman artist designing the coin.
2: That's right. You were you're probably correct. A woman artist <laughs> probably not be able to design the point back then right
0: yeah so you're breaking <laughs> a lot of barriers i feel like by doing that
2: no it like I said is a great honor and um and it, it's just it's interesting because uh you know it's voting season of course everybody should vote say that
0: yeah. uh, actually this will air
1: after the election
2: okay. so.
0: hopefully, hopefully we're happy i i'm like stress, i hope we're happy <laughs>
1: All I know is use your voice, even if it's after the election and vote in your right. we still, uh, local we still have elections. Lot, we still have lots of work after
0: this election. Lots of right. Work. T-E-L-L-I-N-G-P-E-O-P-L-E. Telling people, did I win?
1: No, you just told people how they can get 15% off our merch.
0: They'll just need to go to our new website and hit merch and order our wonderful t-shirts with our faces on
1: them. Order now. More information in our episode notes. Now back to our episode. Christina, what would you like to tell people?
2: Well, I'm glad that you asked me that. (laughs) Uh, And I have to say, I listened to some of your prior, uh, prior episodes and, um, and I'm feeling a little pressured. So I'm going to try to do a good job on this question. Um, <laughs> considering You'll, be left, so cool. You'll be amazing. You'll
1: be amazing like always.
2: <laughs> um, the the one thing I want to say is, uh and this is definitely, um it, it's coming from an artist as an artist centric uh suggestion, but really it's for, it's for everything in everyday life. Take chances. You know, I I, when I, when I decided to, you know, apply for the AIP program, you know, through when I found it on LinkedIn and go through the call for artists, I I can't tell you how many times I've been rejected by publishers and I've been turned down by clients. And I mean, that's the nature of our business. That's you know, we just deal with it all the time. So when I applied, I I didn't think I was going to get it. Um, but it didn't stop me from trying, you know, I'm like, well, Hey, you know what? The worst, worst case scenario, they say no. Right. So it's always about at least give it a shot, see where it takes you. Um, and then, and, and it's, it's given me a coin a coin with both sides. So like that, it, it I never thought it would happen. Uh, so take chances. Sometimes you'll surprise yourself and you might surprise uh, others, which is, which is pretty cool too, you know? So um, take chances and persevere. You know, if you'd love to do something, I mean, drawing, painting, that is my passion. That is my therapy. I mean, that's, that's what I do. That's, I look forward to doing it. Um, if I didn't do that, I would be uh, I would be a sad person. I'd be a little miserable <laughs> just because that's who I am. I'm a creative, and I I need to create. Um, so definitely make sure that you are going through uh, life and, and doing what you love to do. And if you are having trouble doing that, you have to make time for it, find time and make it happen. Um, find inspirations, surround yourself with people, whether it be virtual or whether it be in person, uh, who, who do what you want to do or who do what you do, you know, and then you're going to find yourself uh, being immersed in it. And you don't have to be like super, you know, uh, you know, person on top with, with everything that you want to do. But as long as you're content, happy, and satisfied, and you are just loving life, that's what really counts, you know? So I would just say persevere and take chances. Don't be afraid of failure because every, and I just want to say that simultaneously when this great thing was happening, there was failures happening too. So I stayed humble (laughs) and grounded. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Definitely.
0: Well, I always say famous people heard no more than yes. So that's what I always have thought. Like, anytime I've heard no, it's like something better is going to happen. So, as you were hearing those no's, something better definitely was happening. Exactly. Yeah. And it's
2: just keep plugging I, away, keep doing it. I got to listen
1: it. to your advice more often, especially with art, because that is very hard with clients, honestly. That is, mm, I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely tell you later. <laughs> But thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, this was really, really like I I learned a lot. This is, I had
0: no clue what it took to create a coin or that they really even went through this great process to even make sure that they had great artists to create the coin. It's very I love how
1: involved, like, like uh, we talk, uh, you discussed earlier with us, is that everyone is involved in this process, like this little puzzle. And it's, it's wonderful because then you get to learn all different perspectives. So I think it's what a great project. And congratulations, honestly. That's amazing. You're a, you. a talented artist, and you're just a wonderful, selfless person. So it's great that you got this, <laughs> honestly. Oh, yeah of course <laughs> of course well thank you so much Christina All right. yeah thank you what did you think about this episode
0: I really liked it <laughs> um, no it was good mm-hmm. I I found it very very um, informational about to hear about the mint the process you know how she had to kind of like apply they narrowed it down and then she's going to be a part of it for a while which is really interesting and things you don't really think about you really don't think about the process of making a quarter necessarily you know like I I've looked at quarters and I've looked at you know different things but you don't think about the artist behind it and the process behind it so I found that very very cool to just hear it from start to finish what did you think of this episode?
1: (laughs) I loved it, but I also love Christina Hess in general. Um, But I loved it because you, just like you said, you get to have this more information. That's the thing. And not many people see the artist behind, say, this beautiful coin, right? Or this beautiful film, et cetera. They just assume, oh, it popped out of nowhere where you actually heard how long the process is, how many people go into this, you know? And it's, it's, um, it's truly inspiring too to hear that. And I'm gonna definitely look into that artist uh guild that she was talking about too, just because you know that those are doors that are opening. So Yeah. What I'd like to tell people is an independent podcast recorded and edited by us, Rachel and Hannah. Our theme song is written and
0: recorded by Sean Price.
1: Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube.
0: Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can receive the latest episode. Also, rate and review our episodes so we can receive
1: more listeners. Go to our website, www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. Find the link and more information in the episode notes. Until next week.
0: And this was What I'd Like to Tell People.